This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Pele leaned in and said something to Freddie. Don't let them change you. Keep working on what makes you different and what makes you special. It was great advice, but it caused me some problems. But what could change Freddie do? Soccer is going to explode, and it's going to be around this kid. We were the Beatles. Everywhere we went, it was the Freddie show. And with that came the expectation, and with that came the pressure. New episodes of American Prodigy drop Tuesdays from Blue Wire Podcasts. But so is early signing day. We will break down both today on Prospects 101, the show where we go and break down football prospects from all levels, high school prospects, college transfers, college recruiting, early signing day as we see today, NFL prospects and the NFL draft. We would not be able to have this podcast without our great partners and supporters of the show. Blue Wire Pods and Bet Online. It's a huge thank you to them. Remember, you can always interact with Prospects 101 on social media every Saturday and throughout the week at Prospects 101 on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Guys, we're going to get right into it because the majority of this show is going to be dedicated to Erling Signing Day, which happened today. But before that, I want to get into some coaching news as we had some, I, I would call it Black Sunday, as we saw four schools, I'm sorry, we saw three schools in the Power Five let go of their head coaches and would love to get your reaction. So first one, guys, Gus Malzon fired, and odds on right now, Kevin Steele, the defensive coordinator, looks to be the favorite to take over. What did you guys take of the Gus Malzon firing the payout, and ultimately who will replace him? I mean, yeah, I wasn't necessarily surprised that they fired him. You know, there there was rumblings that they were going to fire him last season, and he had an even higher buyout. I think it was like $35, 40000000 million last season. And, and rumor is the boosters raised the money, so the athletic department didn't have to shell out the extra money that or for a revenue-shortened season to, to pay the buyout. So if the boosters are willing to raise the money, I mean – you know, it is what it is. Boosters control pretty much the a, a lot of the serious money into the program. You know, they're, they're they're responsible for you know all the all the facilities, all that stuff mainly. So if, if they're willing to pay the money, you know, it's not surprising that Malzahn. And to be honest, I'm not saying it wasn't even deserved. You know, the program has gotten stale. You know, at the end of the day. Yeah, yeah. I mean, honestly, I think America just can't relate to the issue that they're having in the sense that we're thinking there's COVID people don't have enough money to even, you know, provide for their family right now. We can't comprehend a school just dishing out $25 million to hire their assistant coach defensive coordinator. They already have on board. They're like, we just can't comprehend that as America. But what, what Kenny just said, when the boosters are willing to pay it, guess what? It's not really taking a hit on the school at all. I mean, that's, that's probably 95% all booster money coming in. And I, I, I don't know. I just think Auburn, like Kenny's point, I think it's kind of stale. They have some decent recruiting classes, but at the end of the day, they're not competitive right now. Well, I, I wouldn't say they're not competitive. I think they're competitive. And if you look at kind of – they're competitive in the sense that they compete every Saturday. Um, now, if that turns into Ws, that, I think that's another that's another thing. I mean, if you look at Malzahn when he was there, his record against Nick Saban in the Iron Bowl, pretty, honestly pretty good. Uh, pretty good, all things considered, when you compare the teams. Went to a national championship game. 
Um, but I do think in recent years, yeah, they have slid in a little bit when it comes to the W's. And the program probably more than likely could have used a refresh. So I, I get it from that standpoint. But I, I tell you what, I, I've got to figure out who these boosters are. And I got to put together some of my best sales pitches because who the heck in this <laughs> environment can raise 20 with, I think it was twenty one and a half million to pay out a, a to to pay the buyout. If that if that is true, man, I tell you what, Auburn has some really deep pockets, and it just I don't know. I think that's what took me. I think that's just what took me by surprise. Right? Is is one? Not only are you willing to pay that buyout, like how the heck do you sell that to your board of regents, right? And your president in in these times when you're cash strapped. The second thing, if I'm the Auburn Athletic Department and the boosters raise $25 million to, or $21.5 million to get rid of a guy, how about you donate to the athletic program so we can sit here and subsidize some other things, right? I mean, we've got, we got programs getting canceled. We've got people getting laid off, and they put it together to put a guy out of work. And then <laughs> not only that, but then the defensive coordinator is like the, the leading guy. It just – this this situation it blows my freaking mind, and that's why like I was fired up on Sunday. I'm just like, this is just insane that th- no. that they would that that this is okay to sign off on. What, yeah, I mean, I, from the football the, the side, five, I get it. Football side, yeah. I get it. The money side to me is just mind boggling. Yeah, I was gonna say the buyout it, it shades it a little bit as ridiculous because of what the buyout was, and I think if it wasn't 2020, honestly, I don't think we'd we'd really bat too much of an eye as we are now. But from a football standpoint, I mean, I don't, I don't blame him. I mean, you're talking about in eight years, the guys won double-digit games twice now. And one was his first year at the program, and then one was in 2017 when they lost to UCF in the Peach Bowl. Other than that, I mean, you're talking about a coach who's won eight wins a year at Auburn. Like, that just doesn't cut it. That you want to hear something cut it. You hear something crazy real quick? And Glesser, kind of to your point, is Will Muschamp, you know, me being down here in South Carolina, Will Muschamp got fired with about a $13.5 million buyout. Today, as I'm listening to the local radio, they're talking about possibility of canceling programs at South Carolina University because they don't have enough money to fund them, but they have enough money to fire a coach and pay him $13.5 million. So I do do have a question in fairness. I I do have a question. I'm not taking that for the boosters. But, Gless, say you were a multi-million dollar – you're a multi-millionaire. You're booster to Washington. And it comes down that you need an extra $10 million to compete – or do something competitively to compete in football. Or you can give $10 million to save the equestrian – the the rowing team, the crew team, and the and the archery team. What do you do? Well, what are you well, doing? We put it like that. I mean, I get that. <laughs> Shut up, Kenny. <laughs> I can't have it. I, I yeah. I I just think it's it, it's maybe even a larger question, right? Like if I look at coaches' buyouts, right? You know, buyouts are just insurance policies. That's all they are, right? They're just big, 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 big insurance policies, like. Gus Malzahn was at six. Jimbo Fisher, his buyout is fifty three million. His whole contract was guaranteed. He had th- that whole that his entire contract was guaranteed. His entire yep. contract since day one has been a buyout. Dabo is at fifty. Edo is at twenty three eight, and Saban's at thirty thirty six eight. So I mean, I guess my point is, ultimately, if you felt like this when you signed him to the contract extension, like. Like, what What did really a lot of that change from when he signed? I mean, when he signed the contract extension, 17? Yeah, after the after that year, I, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I don't know. It's just such a different world. And, Pastor, I think you hit it on the head. I think just when people are struggling to find work and just all of this, like the perspective we are today, it's just a little bit tough to see. But, you know, at the end of the day, I mean, you know, to Kenny's point, I mean, you got to win. you got to win games. And, I'll never argue that he didn't deserve to be fired or that, like, the program hadn't gotten stale. I just think it's all irony, like how much you pay out, and then the guy that's the leading candidate to take over was actually already in the building. Like, it's just, it's it just, it's just an interesting it, use case. It might have been a coup, Gless. That's Kevin right. Steele might, Kevin Steele might be behind all this. You know what? I, 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 
let me just put it this way. It's 2020 and everything is on the table. <laughs> All right. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I was about to say a couple other uh, coaches. Well, what one other big coach got fired last week and that would have been Lovey Smith at Illinois, you know, just never got it going to Illinois. And then Vandy who had hired uh, Der- who had fired Derek Mason a couple weeks ago, hired Clark. Uh, is it Lee or lay Leah? It's Lee. Uh, it's Clark Leah either as their head coordinator, <laughs> uh, as their head coach. And he was the defensive coordinator at Notre Dame. And then Arkansas state takes a chance on old Butch Jones, uh, who had been helping out the Alabama nice. program. So, uh, what, what about those three different situation guys? What sticks out? And then if you're Illinois, you know, wh- where do you think you're going? Uh, very quickly for me, if you're Illinois, and, and Gus, you and I texted a little bit about this offline the other day. You're talking about you need to bring in someone who's Big Ten, Big Ten. But they've, they've hired these guys in the Big Ten mold the last couple of years, man. They hired Lovey. They hired uh, Tim Beckman. They hired um, – I forget the coach before him. I think Ron Zook. I mean, they hired these Ohio guys with these Big Ten backgrounds or these grinded out backgrounds. I think they need to fit, take go on a limb. I mean, what's what's the what's the hurt? Go hire Lance Leopold, dude, who's averaging fifty one points a game at Buffalo right now. Who's completely turned that program around from being a doormat in the MAC to being probably the best MAC team we've seen since Western Michigan and PJ Fleck. And then you know, v- Vandy to me, hiring Clark Leah feels very uninspired. Um, it just feels like kind of the same old, same old at Vanderbilt. You know, I'm not saying Clark Lee is a bad coach. I just don't think he's the guy that you hire to succeed at Vandy. He's just kind of a run-in-the-mill type guy. I don't think he's uh, an inspiring hire. I don't think he's going to charge Nashville up for Vanderbilt. I could be wrong, but I, I just, to me it's just kind of, uh, I think Butch Jones was a great hire for Arkansas State. Love it. I think he, I think he did well. Um, at his stops prior to Tennessee, he was kind of on that Brian Kelly path. Maybe not quite as successful, but you know, it's from that Brian Kelly coaching tree. And I thought he was well, but I think he's going to do okay at Arkansas State. I really do. Uh, I think it was a good hire for Arkansas State. Yeah, and as far as uh, Jamie Pruitt, as far as like the possibility of him being fired right now, the whole thing about Jamie Pruitt is that he can recruit, and right now he's not winning football games. And he's losing a lot of his recruits, as we saw today on the early National Signing Day. I mean, this team, we're talking about a top five recruiting class six months ago. And now they're like, what, 16th, 17th in the nation? So now he's losing all his recruits. So why would you even keep Jeremy Pruitt on board? I would not be surprised if they lose this weekend that Jeremy Pruitt gets fired as well, along with these other coaches we just mentioned. Well, and, and the pressure's there to fire Jeremy Pruitt. I don't know if you got – I mean, students are vandalizing the rock. On uh, on campus, you know, they're spray painting it, fire Jimmy Pruitt. Yeah. I, I think if he gets it, I mean, I, I, if they beat Texas A&M, it might be enough to save his job. It might be. I still not convinced that it is. But if they go, I mean, if they get absolutely embarrassed by A&M this Saturday, he's, I think he's gone. I was going to say, Pasto, do you think he's actually going to get fired? If he gets smoked this week. The fact that, and we're probably about to get started here on some of this recruiting news, but the fact that he lost a lot of recruits, um, that was one of the saving graces was that he could recruit. And it's funny because I talked to the Arizona State, uh, not Arizona State, uh, South Carolina State uh, wide receiver coach the other day, and the fact that he even said, like, hey, don't be surprised if you see Jeremy Pruitt. A lot of news around the state is saying that he might get fired if they don't get a win here at the end of the season. So there's multiple sources now. How valid they are, we don't know, but it does sound like this. It, it sounds like here, being living in the southeast, that that is a legit possibility now. Yeah. Well, I, I tell you what, it doesn't do anything to Tennessee's credibility. Um, I mean, they've been looking for a head coach since Phil Fulmer, and then, I mean, they really accidentally ended up with Jeremy Pruitt because nobody else wanted the job, right? And they had to bring Phil Fulmer back into the mix to even recruit anybody to convince anybody to come there. So, well, and that, was a whole, that was such a shame. That was that that right. was that whole thing where they hired Greg Schiano and they pulled out. Yeah, that was just a disaster. I mean, it's, Tennessee's a disaster. I, I would Tennessee, in my opinion, is like Nebraska. Man, there's unrealistic expectations there. If you're a big coach, why would you even want to go there? Yeah, well, I, I think I, that's going to be their issue, right? Like, who are they going to hire? I think there's I think there's potential at Tennessee. I think there's money there. there. The program is big. You live in the southeast. There's people to recruit. Like I I'm actually kind of stunned that Tennessee has not had 
some type of success in the last, you know, 15 yeah. years. Like, I think it's a decent gig. Well, yeah. I mean, here's the thing, though. They've had they've had the recruits. I mean, Alvin I – mean, I know Alvin Kamara transferred from Bama, but they had Alvin Kamara. They had Jalen Hurd. They had uh, – Who's the quarterback? Who was the quarterback? Yeah, he's the quarter. He was back. You got Josh. You got Cordell Patterson. Yeah, I mean yeah, they had you, you they had talent players. there. They just, yeah. they just I mean. can't put it together. All I'm saying is like they have talent. They just need to find the right coach, which they haven't done. I, I think there's still ways to find success in Tennessee. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see. Uh, I have I have no idea uh, to be quite honest with that I man. I know he's got a lot of heat around him. Um, I mean, I I still think Tennessee's a pretty a pretty good gig. I. I but who knows? You know, I, I don't know if they have their eye on anybody. But anyways, let's get off coaching news, guys. Let's get into the biggest news of the day. I would say, aside from the championship matchups on Saturday, probably definitely the biggest news of the week. And that would be this early signing day that we had today. Uh, we saw some four stars flip from SEC rivals. We saw uh, Deion Sanders come in from the top row. We saw USC have a nice day. Uh, so, guys, instant reaction from what we saw today. What stood out to you? What schools did really well? And what schools did you think really flopped? Yeah, you know, Bama, obviously, their number one recruiting class so far right now. They did a good job. They flipped two LSU recruits. It's always a good day when you can flip recruits from one of your biggest rivals. They flipped a four-star wide receiver in JoJo Early, and they flipped a four-star defensive end in Keanu Coat. Um, both guys highly recruited by LSU flipped to Bama on signing on early signing day, but LSU, you know, was able to rebound a little bit and get some of that back when they signed a five-star defensive tackle in Mason Smith and their, and their class is now actually jumped to number, I believe number three in the country. And that was, um, that was at, when I wrote this, they might be number four now, but they've jumped up to number three or number four. So still a good, a good class for LSU. What really stood out to me was Ole Miss. Uh, picking yep. up two four-star cornerbacks. That's and, huge. And, yeah, and it was great because the other day, uh, Lane Kiffin on Twitter posted a picture of him, him uh, I think, wearing a shirt that said Flippadelphia, uh, which is great. I thought that was a great troll. But, look, MJ Daniels, uh, you know, big-time big time recruit, um, four-star guy, 6'3", 220 pounds, or 200 pounds uh, out of Mississippi. So, again, putting that fence around Mississippi, Ole Misses, And then another – recruit uh cornerback Marcavius Brown, six foot one seventy at of IMG. You know, IMG's not a bad place to have a uh a recruiting pipeline from if you're Lane Kiffin. USC replaces their decommitment, Jake Garcia, with four star quarterback Jackson Dart. Uh, and a lot of guys compare him to a lot of recruiting analysts pay, uh, compare him to Alex Smith, you know, quarterback for the Washington football team. So I could think of some worse comparisons. Um Jackson State probably with the biggest flip of the day though. Deion Sanders gets four-star Juco cornerback Dijon Warren to flip from Georgia to Jackson State. And that alone makes the hire worth it. I mean, you're flipping four-star talent from Georgia to go to your, your program at Jackson State. Huge. We're already seeing that hire pay massive dividend, dividends for the program. And then another big flip was – FSU landing four-star defensive end George Wilson. We, we talked about what would happen if coaches get fired before early signing day. Well, he was all dead set to sign with Auburn, and then Auburn fires Gus Malzone, and now he's flipped and signs with with uh, Florida State. So, And then TCU continuing to stay hot. They get two four-star players early this morning, running back Amonte Watkins and quarterback Sam Jackson, uh, both really highly recruited guys. And both, uh, both explosive, you know, they both explosive and their, their running back room is going to be really set now after getting the top running back last year, um, in their class. And then Maryland flips linebacker Brandon Jennings from UM. And, you know, always nice to flip somebody in conference. And Maryland has a top 20 recruiting class. Very, very good recruiting cycle for Mike Loxley and the boys. And speaking of Maryland, you think about it, like we, we had dumb, if you remember the beginning of the year. The over-under on them, I think it was one and a half games, if, if I'm correct. And so they've already kind of exceeded their expectations a year earlier than what we thought they were going to be. So when you keep pumping in recruiting talent like we got today, having a top 20 class off of last year's you know, top 25 class, like Maryland might be a year or two ahead of the game than what we thought they were. Uh, but, yes, absolutely. I mean, Ken, you mentioned it earlier. Ole Miss, oh, my God. 
this t- this class, if you watch 24-7 sports, I think they were like 35th in the nation like two weeks ago. Within those two weeks, they have completely flipped so many players. Uh, what was the quarterback from Florida State? Four-star quarterback flipped to them. All these other guys you just mentioned, they're now 18th. I would not be surprised if Ole Miss finishes top 15 when this is all said and done and the second signing period uh, concludes, you know, February 4th. So, overall, huge day. I tell you what, this kind of brings up another thing I was thinking about. Is signing day kind of almost, like, lost its its lust? Uh, you know what I mean? Like, I used to, oh, I mean, It absolutely has. I, I, it absolutely has. I agree with you 1,000% past, though. And, and what effect – does it have any effect, I guess? Like, what does that do? Like, I mean – Obviously, February 4th is for everybody that's left, maybe a few transfers. I don't think all these guys are going to be enrolling early, so I think that's maybe 50% of them, if that. Um, so why are people doing it? Is it? Are coaches pressuring them to sign earlier? Are they just it's, doing it to grab the scholarship? Like, what is it? It's so they can enroll. Outside of enrolling early, because not all yeah. these guys enroll early. So outside of enrolling early, what else? Like, why is the big push to sign early? Well, now, well, I think it's just a, it's another selling. It's another. I mean, it's a it's a new cycle for college football. For one, um, two, basically, like you said, enrolling early, and then three would be now these kids are they've signed their national letter of intent, so they're locked in now. This is the this is they're done. So if you can, if your program like Wake, like Wake at this point might have a couple scholarships left, maybe, but I don't think they do. They signed. All 18 of, of their guys this morning, I think they might have one or two scholarships. Now Clawson gets to go to work on on recruiting 2022 prospects. You know, you well, don't have to wait an extra six months. I'll, I'll be honest. I hate it. And I get for the people that enroll early, it makes sense. For everybody else, I hate it. Because it, I remember wa- waking up February 4th, just waiting for everyone to put on the hat. What so much fun, be? right? I choose so much Florida. Fun. I choose this. I like, that's gone. That, those Those days are irrelevant. It's gone. And it sucks, and I hate it. That, that was one of the greatest parts about the college football offseason. And now oh, it's yeah. happening. It's, definitely- it's happening days after, like, the Auburn coach. The Auburn football in itself went from, like, a top-10 recruiting class to what I believe is now in the 30s because they fired their coach three days before a freaking signing day. No one wants to sign with them anymore. That, they're they're going to 40 right now, Pastel. Yeah, they're, they're 40. 40. They only signed 13 guys today. Yeah. If this president wasn't set like it yeah. is now, and this was five years ago, Auburn would still be okay because they had February 4th to really lock in their targets. Yeah. It's, 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 I don't know. I don't like it. Yeah, I, I agree with you. Just kind of some instant reaction for me. One, just Bama doing what Bama does, uh, bringing in the, the number one overall class. And they had such a great run, you know, from late, from, from late May all the way to right now. And then really just taps off a great recruiting class by being able to flip those two LSU guys. And to be quite honest with you, that just you know it's it's the same thing we all know, guys. Man, if you win, you're going to be able to recruit because guys want to play for winners. So no, really no shock there. I thought that one was interesting. Um, USC also a really nice day. They finally got that second quarterback they were looking for. They they are in desperate need for scholarship quarterbacks. And by getting Jackson Dart from, from Utah, that's a huge one because that decommitment of Jake Garcia, who ended up committing to Miami, which is yep. just the most Miami thing ever. So have fun down there. Um, court, of course they would recruit a guy like him. Um, <laughs> so yeah. – you know, so USC had a really nice day. I really like to see what they did. And, guys, what I think that does with a strong showing today from USC, I think that sets them up nice to keep Corey Foreman in state, right? I, I think, and I listened to this on a podcast the other day, the trend in California and in Oregon and in Washington and, you know, a lot of these West Coast guys, if you're five stars – you generally don't play on the West Coast, right? And and a lot of that has to do with a lot of different factors, and a lot of that has to do with what Larry Scott has done to the Pac-12, which is basically run it into the ground. But aside from that, I think showing USC – I think this weekend is huge, right? Like I think if they can win the Pac-12 championship and with a really nice signing day, I think they have a really good shot of keeping Corman, Corey Foreman in state – um, so I, I think that was good them. And then uh, third, guys, TCU had a really nice day landing two four-star guys, a quarterback, which they desperately need. 
and then a, a four-star running back. I know that they got the five-star guy last year, but should add a nice uh, combination there in 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 the backfield. So those are well, just kind what, of my initial thoughts from from signing day today. What's funny about the TCU quarterback is they're not even sure if that's where they're going to play him in college, in college because he's such an explosive athlete. I think there's there's sources at a TCU who are saying that that he might end up just playing all over the field throughout his college career on offense. So we but, actually covered him in one of our prospects segments earlier this yeah. year. He's a little guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, he's, he's not very tiny. big. No, he's a little guy, but I tell you what, he is uh, He's fun to watch. I mean, he's if you watch his huddle man. film, yeah. it's really good. And, of course, they flipped him from Purdue. Um, that, that's when we covered him, Pastel. I remember yep. covering him in, in one of our prospects to watch that Dude, so. speaking of Purdue, did you see who uh, they signed today? Uh, no. Yanni uh, Carlippis. Yeah, yeah, his brother. Is, uh, yeah. yeah, his little brother. So that was a big signing for them. Uh, as I kind of kind of just scroll down uh, this list right here, uh, what was it, Georgia, they signed Xavier Sorley, a five-star five prospect, star, outside yeah. line, uh, linebacker. Um, Ole Miss signed another four-star cornerback. I believe you out of Florida, Marquevious Brown, that happened today. So there's there's definitely many other signings, obviously, yeah. that we're not going to mention here. But for please sure. take a look at 24-7 sports arrivals. Like, there was quite a few uh, signings for probably every one of your programs that you should be excited about. I, I think you point out Georgia. I think Georgia had a fantastic day getting all that. Uh, aside from from the guy flipping from Georgia to play at Jackson State, which, oh, you know, it's yeah. screw it. I mean, Screw it, I'll get into that right now. I said it in our text messages. Um, Dion better be careful because he's going to start raising some serious eyebrows. I mean, I, seriously, no, 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 uh, for all, in all seriousness, dude is the number four junior college prospect in the country, probably the number one secondary junior college prospect, right? He flips from Georgia, a top five program in the country, to go play at an HBU and if you look in Dion's staff, there's nothing on that staff that says, hey, they're going to get me ready to play in the pros any more than what he would get at Georgia. So I'm not saying that he's not doing a heck of a job recruiting. I'm, I'm, I'm happy for him, and I'm rooting for him. But just be careful. Just be careful <laughs> because there may be some real shady stuff going in the background. Because what, when, when is that ever ha- – like I'm just saying if this becomes a trend, like – I don't know. It just all well, smells funny to me. That's all. So for for everyone listening, just let me catch up the speed real quick. They obviously have flipped Shadur Sanders, his younger son, uh, four-star prospect, top 200 player. Uh, that's one of their top signings. They got this guy today. That's one of the best JUCO players in the nation. They signed another defensive tackle. That's a top 750 player. With For a school like Jackson State, that's a huge signing. They signed two other three-stars. But then you go down to their transfers. They signed uh, – the other little Sanders that just – Shiloh. Uh, Shiloh. Yeah, Shiloh Sanders. Shiloh Sanders, yeah. Dylan Spencer, who's a three-star player. Isaiah Bolden was a previous four-star wide receiver from Florida State. He transferred. Now it's Gaddy from Tennessee. And then Javorius Selman from Mississippi State. Like, you're right, Glustner. Like, he is flipping and, and making guys transfer. I mean, obviously outside of his sons, like, the, first of all, Jackson State can be really good next year. <laughs> yeah. For what they play yeah, in. Yeah. Um, yeah Jackson, Jackson, Jackson State. State yeah. Sorry, yeah. Yeah, but – it, you're right. It's interesting. I mean, I hope I hope he's doing this the right way, and I believe a small part of me wants to believe he is. But that's a, a big change in one year. With some of these guys. Yeah, I mean, I mean that was that was what Jackson State was hoping he was going to bring by hiring him. I mean, what I mean, it's paying dividends so far. Yeah, I mean, dude, it might be. <laughs> I, I, I we, feel we, like I'm watching blue chips. We might right? we might look back in five <laughs> years and be like, wow, Shaquille O'Neal. <laughs> yeah, I feel like I'm watching blue chips, Kenny. You know, Shaquille O'Neal, you know, Larry Bird. In five years, we're either going to look back. I say, see Larry Bird. I said, in five years, we're going to look back and go, what an amazing hire. Look, I can't believe smaller schools didn't think to do something like this before. Or we're going to look back in five or six years and be like, well, Jackson State was just given the death penalty by the NCAA. Yeah. Because of all the recruiting violations. One or the other. But I, I do think, I do think, is the right combination – I think it's the right combination at the right time. And the reason I say that is you have Deion Sanders, who's obviously well-known, wildly popular, you know, part of Barstool Sports, like great marketing arm for 
for Jackson State and what, what he can bring to that program. But two, based on just societal trends right now and everything that's going on, there's a legit push to get more athletes to play at historical black colleges right now. And if you look at college basketball, I think Pastel, I can't remember the guy's name, but in college basketball, I think one of the top recruits, like if not the top recruit in next year's class, is yeah, yeah, going to Howard. Howard. So I mean, this is this is a trend, and not worked out by the way. It's it's a perfect perfect scenario for Jackson State, I think, at this moment. I think that was a perfect hire, perfect timing. But yeah, 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 I I mean, it'll be interesting to see if this becomes a trend, right? If you look for guys that are. That, that, you know, guys like Deion Sanders who can clearly yes. market and brand themselves um, and, and essentially be recruiters. And ultimately, can they hire a good enough staff to where that's not an issue? Um, I'm just saying, I'm just saying, if you're a JUCO guy, right, and you're trying to prepare for the NFL, because if, if you're a JUCO guy that's a four star and you're going to Georgia, um, I mean, NFL's I would think your you're mind. probably going to Georgia to at least try to get some film, right? It's yeah. some good film. Um, but I, I, I could be wrong. I could be wrong. Well, to to we, me, before we, before we move on to me, the biggest winner of signing day, I think is USC from a standpoint that they signed two elite quarterbacks. Yeah. Top 100 players. Top I think it's yeah. huge. I mean, look at what it did to Arizona state. Arizona state signed three, two years ago and people were mocking them. Like you can't have three quarterbacks play. And then it and it basically just became like, hey, which one is going to win out in the battle of the true freshman? And Jaden Daniels was, and look who Jaden Daniels has become. So yeah. I, I think it's great. You have Keaton Slovis there, and now you're going to have Miller Moss and Jackson Dart pushing each other, two very high recruited players. And that's what they wanted when they had Jake Garcia, who actually just at the time of this recording signed with Miami. Uh, he yeah. made it official, but. Yep. So they replaced Jake Garcia with Jackson Dart. So I think it's a big feather. And, Gless, one of the things you talked about and you brought up uh, about five stars not playing in the Pac-12, that's very legit because right now they only, the only Pac-12 school to sign a five-star prospect is Washington with Sam Heward, Sam which, Heward is a leg- yeah. which is a legacy signing, not necessarily something they had to really go out and fight for. Yeah, I mean, yeah, Sam Heward committed like his freshman year. Like that—that yeah. that was kind of how how that went. So, yeah, interesting. Yeah, interesting how that happens. Again, I was listening to some uh, Pacific Northwest podcast cover Seahawks and the Huskies, and they were talking about that. So it's it's a it's a big problem in the Pac-12, man. They they gotta figure out how to keep those guys home, and they're just not doing a very good job at it right now. So. Uh, before we get into our game day radar, I would like. I think this is a great exercise to do, so I'm really glad that we're doing it on the show today. I want Pastel to cover our, the top ten on May 25th, 2020, according to 24-7 Sports, which we on the show believe is the best source of information for this. And then just the massive changes that you see from the top ten on May 25th to what we saw today on signing day. So, Brandon, why don't you start – with the 1 through 10 on May 25th. All right, I'm going to do my best impersonation of Pastel back in May 20, May 25th, 2020, okay? <clears throat> Met number one, Ohio State could possibly have the best recruiting class we have ever seen. I'm talking over the 2018 Alabama, the 2019 Georgia recruiting class. Ohio State might be the number one program or recruiting class ever. At number two, Clemson. Does it surprise you at all? Of course they're number two. They got Will Shipley. They got so many other five-star talent coming there. At number three, Tennessee. Jeremy Pruitt is working wonders down there. He is back on the map. Signed this guy to an extension. Tennessee is back. Rocky Top, here we go. UNC, can you believe it? At number four, Matt Brown at number four. UNC has a legit chance at challenging Clemson. For the ACC championship in two years from now, if he keeps having recruiting classes like this at number four, at number five, USC, the Reggie Bush days, the Ryan or the uh, the Linehart, the Carson Palmer, all of these guys, these recruiting classes coming back to USC at number five. Watch out for USC to win the Pac-12 year in year out after this because they are back. University of Florida, some of the best uniforms in college football at number six. They're having a great recruiting class. Number seven, Oregon. 
just continually pop or you know pushing out top ten recruiting classes at number eight Michigan. Jim Harbaugh's job security is safe if he keeps having top ten recruiting classes at number nine. Defending champions LSU Tigers. These guys are legit, and they will continue to be legit if they keep having a top 10 recruiting classes. It wouldn't surprise me if they finish top 10 this year, even after losing Joe Burrow and 18 starters. At number 10, we have Texas, Longhorns, Hook'em. Uh, yeah, that's a, that's a solid top 10 right there. So no, 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 no. All right, so before you get into 2020, I want you – because we're we're going back to May 25th, right? So oh, what God, else did we, we say on May 25th? <laughs> what else did we, we all, say, Pastel? I, I want said, you to say it on the pod. All right, I'll say it. We said Georgia was going to be a top ten, a top five program. Or no, that's not it at all. That's exactly what we said. Oh, all right. We might have also mentioned there in the footnote somewhere. Don't put that me. Bama was not. Don't that put Bama me. Was that, don't put me. also. Don't sign me to this. I didn't sign my death warrant. <laughs> Rumor has it that. Somebody on this podcast, not named Glessner or Kenny, thought that Bama was going to finish outside the top ten of this recruiting class. So let me ha- – that's a perfect transition into our top ten today. <clears throat> Alabama is number one with possibly the most historic recruiting class we've ever seen in college football. <laughs> Incredible. OSU. O- Ohio State is number two, pretty much doing exactly what I said in the last uh, segment. But they're they're, they're – they're kicking butt right now. Jack Sawyer, by the way, is a legit candidate. His, for film, one of, he's a, his film is so legit. Oh yeah. He, he, looks, like Bosa, right? he looks like Nick Bosa. Yeah, yeah, Joey Bosa. Sorry. He looks yeah. like Joey Bosa. 100%. Uh, Georgia, number three. It was only a matter of time. They had some massive signings uh, today and really throughout the last few months. LSU, uh, number four. They've actually, even losing some players, they still maintain that number four ranking. So great Job there by Oregon. Uh, number five, Clemson. Number six, Oregon. Number seven was Oklahoma. Remember when they had the Oklahoma Summit? And I was like, they're going to sign three or four of these guys out yeah. of that summit. And they did. And guess what? Now Tristan Lee and Kamar Wheaton are crystal balled to Oklahoma. So watch out for Oklahoma for this was, team to jump into the top five. I was going to say, guys Tristan Lee didn't sign today, did he? No, he did he, not. he's not signing for a couple days. Uh, okay, same with Kamar Wheaton. It's going to sign the 23rd of uh, December. Yeah. But if these two guys, two five-star players, sign with OU, they might jump LSU, and they might be the fourth-best team in this recruiting class. At number eight, Florida. Number nine, Notre Dame. And number 10 is Miami. That's our current top ten recruiting class. Yeah, and it's changing every minute. Uh, you know, there, obviously, there's still some more signings left. You, we talked about Lee and and everybody, and then Corey Foreman. Uh, I think is announcing at the what would be the All American Bowl. That's going to be another for our, our recruiting fans. Make sure you pay attention to. Uh, I forget what day it is, but whatever day the All American Bowl was supposed to be second, under Armour. Right? Yeah, if it, or I think it's yeah, January second. Yeah, so you got Corey Foreman and then JT Tiamalu, uh, mm-hmm. guy Ooh, from yeah. the guy from the Seattle area. I think he. I believe besides Corey Foreman, he's the second. I mean, he's a five-star guy. It's yeah. You know, he announced his top five today. They Who said he wouldn't be. You know. Yeah. So his top five is uh, 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 USC, UW. Oregon, UW, uh, Alabama, and Ohio State. And Ohio State. So, I, I know the but, Crystal Balls. The Crystal Balls have him at like ninety-two percent Ohio State and like eight percent UW. I think. Yeah, is but what the I challenge is. So I did some. I was doing some reading. And the challenge is during COVID, he is yet to visit Columbus and he is yet to visit Alabama. Ooh, um, so he is yet things. to be. Well, that's what I mean. That could completely change things, right? So you're asking a kid who has grown up on the West Coast and has grown up in the Seattle area to go to go to a campus and to a school that he's never been to in an area of the country he has no idea. Man, I don't know. Um, the, the the big thing with I think Oregon is. I, there's like a Samoan connection there. I, I don't know. I, I did a bunch of yeah. reading on him today, but um, I'm hoping sure. the Huskies can keep him home. But uh, we'll, we'll see. But I think the other thing about him, too, is he's like an all-state basketball player. So he is only going to sign with a school that's going to let him play basketball as well. No all way. five of those schools are going to let him play basketball. Yeah. yeah. I don't think any school will turn that down. Yeah. Yeah. So. You know- <laughs> You know what? I, you know what my recruiting pitch for a guy who hasn't visited Columbus or Alabama yet would be: Hey, do you want to win a national championship? Good. Then don't sign with Oregon or Washington. Hey, whoa, 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 
Slow down now. Slow down now. Oh, oh man. Now, be, those are going to be – those are some signings that are coming up, though, that will definitely Huge signings. You know, flip around the top ten as well. So there's still some talent out there to be signed. I mean, let's, early signing day is big, and there's a lot of signings here. But, you know, there's still some talent remaining, and then there's going to be talent remaining to sign on uh, regular signing day as well in February. So keep an eye on, on some unsigned guys. I think we're, we're still in for a nice little bit of a roller coaster. Yeah, so watch out for that transfer wish. portal too. Good yeah, watch for the transfer portal. Tons of guys in the transfer portal. Yeah, Pesto, why don't you fill in some big names that just hit the transfer portal? <laughs> Pretty much every Virginia Tech player, which is funny, by the way, because Virginia that used to be the joke last year, Virginia Tech losing a lot of players to the transfer portal. That really hasn't happened for about a year or so. And then this past, like, month, oh, Quincy Patterson, one of our, our once four-star quarterback hit the transfer portal. Uh, Doug Nestor, our, one of our big-time offensive linemen, he entered the transfer portal. Uh, we had another offensive lineman. Uh, can you remember his name? Uh, um, I don't off the top of my head. I don't remember. I'm his sorry, name. I'm drawing blank right now. But he was he was one of our big time four star prospects. I think he was a decommit from uh, Ohio State. We lost him to the transfer portal. So, Brian but, but I'm, yeah, yes, Hudson. Uh, but all that being said, not just trying to knock Virginia Tech is it's a record number right now. Like two times the amount of transfers have now entered the transfer portal because one. They don't lose eligibility. And then, two, we all expect for nobody to have to sit out a year on a one-time transfer. So that's another thing to watch from a scholarship standpoint is when you look at schools like, say, South Carolina, who have only signed 12 or 13 players. Uh, right now, every, every person in South Carolina is probably like, oh, my God, we, this, you know, the standard 25 players to sign with you. Well, watch out for them to attack the transfer portal, especially with a new coach and Shane Beamer finding people to really fit his system. So yeah, it, it's interesting. Something to keep an eye on. I, I think that's a fantastic point, Pastel. I think if you look at scholarship numbers, you know, so let's take UW, for example. Like, UW signed 15 guys today. They have an okay class. Not a, It's not a great class, but it's not an awful class either. I would be shocked if they didn't hit the transfer portal hard and get four or five guys like athletes, like skill guys, receivers, guys that they know can fly down the field and win one-on-one battles, and maybe that they just they got buried in the depth chart, or maybe they just didn't like where they were at. I'd be surprised if schools like that that really have needs at skill positions don't really attack that transfer portal kind of with force. They should, and yeah. they should. <laughs> like, I mean, there's some quality. It's not guys that just didn't work out in programs. There's guys that were four- or five-star players that started as a freshman, a la I think USC had a linebacker we just mentioned, uh, in the transfer portal, who was a starter as a freshman, like, there's talent to be had. And for whatever yeah. reason, whether guys got homesick or for whatever reason, they entered the transfer portal. So, yeah, I mean, the Virginia Tech linemen, both of them started as a true freshman. So there's quality yeah. offensive linemen out there right now. Past the, uh, Kenny, you know what it is, though? People jumping off the sinking ship. Pretty much. It's <laughs> what it is, dude. I mean, hey, you can talk about all these new transfer rules and everything. It doesn't excuse the fact that I think Tech has had like 29 players enter now and 27 have transferred in the in the past, I think, two and a half, three years, which is most in college football. Oof. Is that the most in college football? I believe so. It's, I, 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 I know. I have to go through, but I know as of before this season, they had the most guys transfer out of the country. So I, I want to say, and we, we'll get into this. I do believe Maryland lost like 24 this off season. Like it was some record amount that Maryland lost. Yeah, but that was uh, them, that was them cleaning house, getting rid of a bunch of scrubs from like one in yeah. ten teams. <laughs> that was a new yeah, regime. Yeah, no what that was. Ultimately, at the end of the day, guys, what it comes down to, if you look at that top ten in just seven seven short months. Yeah, all the COVID, everything, I just completely changed, right? Flipped on top of its head. So I think that's ultimately every single year when we watch these rankings, we know that when it comes to signing day, it's going to look a lot different. And uh, this year was certainly no different than that. So well, hey, and and I think the one thing you can take from it too is look at the top five. Look at the top five: Bama, Ohio State, Georgia, LSU, Clemson. There, those are all your last. Those are all the last teams to win national championships minus Georgia. Yeah, but Georgia played in one. So, I mean, that's what it is. I mean, Bama's won national titles. Clemson's won national titles the last, you know, four or five years. LSU won last year's title. OSU won in 2014. I mean, that's, that's what it is. I mean, just go, just go down the list. Oregon's always in there. Oklahoma's been in the playoffs the last, like, 25 years. 
Florida is always up there. They were yeah. shoe toss away from being in the playoffs this year, probably. Notre Dame's going to make the playoffs, possibly the championship this year. Really, the only team, the only outlier right now is Miami being number 10. Like, that's the only program that has not done well in this past decade. Yeah, I was just, yeah, I mean, that's a great point. I was more or less talking about just from a national title perspective, the only four teams to win a national title since 2014 are all top five. Yep. And, um, it's not a coincidence. Yeah, 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 you got to have dudes. Well, let's get off of recruiting. We could probably spend an, an entire pod on that. Uh, but I do want to get into the get our game day radar for this weekend. Again, this is prospects, NFL prospects, NFL draft prospects that we feel like can really make an impact on the game. Um, I have a championship weekend feel to mine because it is championship weekend. I think we forget that uh, – we. we uh, forget that. And it's going to be a different championship weekend because we have a lot of games that are being played going along with championship weekend. And to be honest with you, this is probably the most football that we're going to see for the rest of the year. It's going to be a lot of bowls that get canceled for a lot of teams and a lot of prospects. This is the last film they will get and be able uh, to show NFL evaluators, so something to take a note of this weekend. But, guys, uh, for the sake of time, I, I think we limited all of ours to three, but my three are playing for a championship this weekend. The first guy, Jaquan Bailey, the rush end for uh, Iowa State, 6'2", 260, nice-sized kid. He's had a very productive season and a huge part of what Iowa State has been able to do on defense. Uh, seven sacks, fantastic number, especially in the Big 12. And a stat to note, guys, when they played Oklahoma earlier this year, Spencer Rattler was 8 for 18 with a QBR of 54 when passes were over 10 yards. A lot of that had to do with the quarterback pressures that were coming from the Iowa State defense. Jaquan Bailey has a massive opportunity this weekend to show NFL evaluators he can be an edge rusher at the next level by being able to make Spencer Rattler's uh, game, uh, that championship game, a nightmare for him. So really looking for a massive game from Jaquan Bailey or that rush uh, defensive end for Iowa State. Second, this one's really no surprise, but I think it's worth mentioning Trevor Lawrence. He's had a great year so far, but he has an opportunity opportunity to avenge the only loss that Clemson has had. Potentially, if Clemson loses again, they may not be in the college football playoff as they would have two losses. Again, that would be a potential but I want to see what Lawrence is going to do on, on the big stage in a championship game against, uh, really, if they win this week, they're going to go to the playoff. And this is essentially a third playoff game for them, right? Because they, mm-hmm. they have to win, right? This yep. is really the start of the playoffs for them. So this is going to be, it's going to be an op. This is going to be an opportunity for him to really go out there and play up to what we all think that Trevor Lawrence is and what he's going to be at the NFL level. Amazing opportunity. National stage against Notre Dame. Doesn't get any better than this. I like to see Trevor Lawrence have a monumental game. Third, really no, really not new to this show, but I think anybody who really doesn't follow NFL prospects deep, probably doesn't know about this guy, but he may be the best defensive player in college football. And that's Zayvon Collins, the linebacker from Tulsa. Championship game against Cincinnati, the best team that they will play all year. I like to see Zayvon Collins have a monster game against Desmond Ritter and that Cincinnati offense. Again, he's the top-rated linebacker in PFF. and really has a chance to introduce himself to the nation. Right, because he plays at Tulsa. Yeah, they, you know, they played Oklahoma State really tough this season. Um, but I think this is the biggest game that he'll probably play in, as far as evaluators are concerned. So I really look for him to have a have a monster game. Um, so those are my three guys, Pasto. Who are uh, three prospects that you like to see really jump on radar on the prospect radar this weekend? Well, well, first of all, I'm glad you said David Collins because I was going to mention him, but I feel like I mentioned him in so many other segments that I couldn't. So I'm glad you right. mentioned him because this is absolutely a monumental, massive game for whether people think he can actually be a first-round talent or not. You're playing a top five, well, what I think a top five team, according to the college football playoff, a top ten team, but absolutely monumental game. For me, Keaton Slovis, and that sounds crazy, but this dude obviously has ice in his veins. He's playing for a Pac-12 championship versus a team that I think a lot of people still – 
believe that Oregon's going to win this game versus USC. Now, I think USC is only a three-point favorite, but really, it's pretty much a toss-up. So, Keaton Slovis, I need you to go out there, establish yourself as the next great USC quarterback, beat Oregon the championship, and then go ahead and start your Heisman campaign for next year because you should be the number one quarterback going into the 2022 draft. Next guy, speaking of, you know, top-end talent, Travis Etienne. I mean, we love this guy. I think we talked about him on the pod probably week one, week two, saying, like, hey, he's developed a receiving game. This guy has caught 41 balls for 512 yards. Awesome. But guess what? His rushing game has completely fallen off a cliff right now. Think about this. His sophomore year, he rushed for over 1,600 yards. His junior year, he rushed for over 1,600 yards. This year, he has rushed for 758 yards. He is averaging 2.5 yards lower than his career worst, which is his freshman year, I believe. 2.5 yards worse. Now, Travis Etienne, you might be the last chance we have a running back going into the first round next year. For you to be a guy like that, we need you to show up for one of the top-tier defenses like Notre Dame and go out there and perform. Go out there and be the guy we all thought you were. I'm not saying you're a bad player. I'm not trying to say that by any means, but – for a first-round talent and running back to go out in the first round, you've got to go out there and produce. you got to do it in a rushing manner as well. My last guy, shout-out to Taron Jackson, the defensive end for Coastal Carolina. Magical year for Coastal Carolina. You're probably the best football player currently on that team, even though McCall will be eventually as a freshman, though. But Taron Jackson, you're the only guy on that team that I believe has a chance to be a day two, probably early day three pick. You have eight, 8.5 sacks, three forced fumbles already. You're going against, you know, Levi Lewis, the star quarterback for Louisiana, number 19th ranked in the nation, uh, 19th ranked uh, team in the nation for the Sun Belt Championship. You were picked to be the last place team in the Sun Belt. You have a chance to go out there and beat Louisiana and win the Sun Belt Championship. Taron Jackson, a lot is on your shoulders. We need you to get pressure and pressure often on Levi Lewis to beat them and establish that Coastal Carolina is a top 10 football team. Kenny, who do you got? Yeah, those are those are good picks, guys. I like I like all six of your picks. Pastel, I think you know I've got a little bit of man crush on Keaton Slovis, and so I, I agree with you 100 percent there. Bless, I agree with Zayvon Collins. With you and Zayvon Collins, he I think he is arguably the best defensive player in the nation right now. So for me, uh, three guys are really gonna I'm gonna keep an eye on, um, and all playing in conference championship games as well. Uh, my first guy is um, Michael Wright, cornerback from Oregon, uh, playing USC. Look. This is a big opportunity for you to show your medal because USC, I think, outside of Alabama, has the most impressive wide receiver core in the country, which is crazy considering they lost, um, you know, two of their – they lost Michael Pittman. But you've got Drake London, Amon Ron St. Brown, and Tyler Vaughn and Brew McCoy as your top four receivers in, in USC right now. And all those guys are Sunday players, in my opinion. They all can be playing at the next level. So for, you, for Oregon to have a – a chance to win this game, uh, Michael Wright needs to go out there and just shut them down. You know, go out there, especially Amon St. Brown. That guy's been on a whole nother level this season. He's been virtually unstoppable. You know, Wright needs to go out there and lock him up and take away one of Keaton Slovis' best options. Uh, my second guy, I, I'm, I'm probably beating a dead uh, a dead horse here, but this is my favorite player in college football. And I usually don't fall in love with running backs because I think running backs are overvalued in the NFL draft. And I don't believe that you should take one in the first round. But my gosh, I love Jared Patterson. This dude is such a stud. You know why I think I like him so much? is because I don't think I've seen a running back in college or in the NFL play, run like this and, and, and be built like this since Maurice Jones-Drew. That, he, that's what JD. he is. He's a MJD clone. And I, I, mean, I mean, everything he's done this season has not surprised me. And he's the engine of whatever what I mentioned earlier the, uh, in this podcast. He's the engine behind an offense that is averaging fifty one point one points per game. Now he gets to show his medal to the world in the Matt football cha- Matt conference championship this weekend against a really good Ball State team. And I'm I'm really excited to see because not only that you got to remember he's doing this with a quarterback who was a punter on the roster two seasons ago. That's who Buffalo's quarterback is. He was a punter two seasons ago. Great. I mean, this guy's all this guy's all world. He's one of the best running back prospects I personally I'm watching film that I've seen in a long, long time. And I think you know he's going to probably get drafted if he comes out this year, late second, early third, and he's going to be an absolute steal for somebody. And then my third 
prospect is Patrick Sertan, cornerback from Bama. Look, I think it's pretty much set in stone. This guy's going to be a top 10 pick. I think this is a game that he can elevate himself into a top five consideration um, because, look, Florida's probably got the best offense uh, in the country, one of the best, you know, outside of Bama and maybe Buffalo. You know, this, you're talking about the number, a top five offense right here. They've got multiple weapons at wide receiver who can attack you a, a bunch of different ways. Kyle Trask is obviously all world and potential Heisman winner. Patrick Sertan can really put a stamp on his season if he can go out and shut down some of the weapons uh, in, uh, in the wide receiver core for Florida this week. So I'm going to keep an eye on Patrick Sertan. Convince me that you are not only a top 10 pick, but that you can be a top five pick as well by shutting down a really, really potent, Florida offense. With that being said, let's translate transition into our bet online segment. And every week I say that with a bit of hesitation because it has just not <laughs> been my year <laughs> picking winners in this in this segment. You know, this is again this is the segment we pick we think our betting locks are for the week. Football is back in full swing. You might not be at a game this year, but you can still be in all the action on Bet Online. Bet Online is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in in every possible chance to win this season. From game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props, Bet Online gives you more options to wager than anywhere else. Their season opening bonuses today and start off wagering on wins, division, and championship futures all day, every day. Head to Bet Online today and take advantage of the great sign-up bonuses. Don't forget to use promo code BLUEWIRE at betonline.ag. That's BLUEWIRE, all one word, BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. I'll go ahead and start. I went 2-3 and three last week on the season. I'm 23-34-1. You know, jumping right into my first game, I'm taking Utah laying 10.5 points versus Washington State. I think Utah made a statement, and they looked really good against Colorado last week. I think the offense is starting to get to gel a little bit. I don't think it's all world. However, I do think Utah will beat down Washington State. I just don't think Washington State's that good. They'll cover 10.5. I have Ohio State laying 20.5 versus Northwestern in the Big Ten championship game. I think Ohio State throttles Northwestern. I think 20.5 is generous, and I think Ohio State's going to want to make a statement in the Big Ten championship game with a lot of people doubting their playoff credentials. I'm not one of those who are doubting their playoff credentials, but I think they're going to want to make a statement for the committee and for everybody else who is doubting why they're the fourth seed right now. They cover easy. And then UCLA laying seven points against Stanford. I think UCLA has looked better and better as the season has gone on. And honestly, barring a late collapse against USC should have won that game and they should have won the game earlier in the year against Colorado. They just haven't been able to finish games. I think they finished this one and they beat Stanford by more than seven. So I'm taking UCLA laying seven points. Gless, what about you? Yeah. One, I really like that UCLA pick because I think you're right on it, Kenny. I, I know that they're three and three, but let me tell you what, I, I think, Chip Kelly has made a really good statement this year on, hey, we can be competitive because the last two years they've been just getting blown out. They went three and three, but their losses, Colorado, they lost by six. Or at Oregon, they lost by a field goal. And then, of course, USC, you know, in heartbreaking fashion, I mean, easily USC, you know, UCLA could be four and two, five and one, or even six and L. So I think Chip Kelly done a really nice job in kind of this this shortened season, so I really like that UCLA pick. Um, I am uh, leading the podcast by uh, being 28 and 19. I did have a little bit of a downer last week. I did go two and four. I hit my San Jose at minus two and a half, and I hit my Minnesota money line at plus 305. Uh, I did lose four, though. Wake let me down at plus one. Arkansas just decided not to show up. And lost by 48 points, so I did not cover my 32 and a half. Uh, Wisconsin just doesn't have an offense, and so my over 41 didn't hit. And then uh, my boys at Coastal uh, escaped one, so that minus 13 did not work out. But have no fear; I have three really good ones this week. First one: uh, Iowa or Iowa State and Oklahoma. Oklahoma at five and a half uh, or uh, five and a half point favorites. I'm taking Oklahoma in the points here. I think Oklahoma goes out and tries to make a statement and tries to avenge a loss. It's really hard for me to see with how well Oklahoma's played as of recently 
that they're not going to let Iowa State beat them twice in a season. Um, so I'm going to take uh, Oklahoma at the uh, as the favorite at five and a half. LSU and Ole Miss, so Ole Miss, I believe, is minus two and a half. I'm taking Ole Miss and the points. I know LSU had the big win, th- win against Florida last week. I think it's a fluke. I, I just don't believe in that team. I don't believe in that defense. I think Ole Miss has a huge day on offense. So I'm taking Ole Miss at minus two and a half and the points. And then my last one, and this is because I'm salty. I missed the Wisconsin-Iowa last week. Wisconsin at Minnesota or uh, versus Minnesota. Minnesota are two, uh, 12 and a half point dogs. I'm taking Minnesota to cover that because Wisconsin – Stinks on offense, Coach. So I'm taking Minnesota at plus 12.5 to cover that line. Pastel, how about you? So you might be winning with your percentage, but I am winning with overall wins, Glessner. I have 29 wins. You have 28. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take that as a W right now on, on this. But for my three games this week, Kenny, I know it sucks, but I'm not going to lie. I, I don't even know if you're going to disagree with me. But I got Florida State at 6.5. Uh, giving the point 6.5 against Wake Forest, I'm taking Florida State and the point. Ooh. Wake Forest, they have a lot of well, they have a lot of opt outs. Florida State, yeah, I'm not. They, I wouldn't disagree with that. They, yeah, yeah, like you said, they've had a yeah. ton of guys opt out, and like not they, only that, they've had good guys opt out. Like their best players are opting out. But not even that. Florida State has been playing good ball as of late. So, I, I, I honestly, I would take that almost as a pickup game. So that the fact that they're giving 6.5 points for Florida State. I've got to go Florida State on that game. I'm not going to be surprised if, if Wake Forest wins, but I don't think they win by more than a touchdown. Uh, Air Force versus Army, call me biased. I'm taking Army plus 2.5 against Air Force. I just like what I've seen from Army this year. They seem very well balanced. Love what they did versus Navy last uh, last week, shutting them out. And then against Clemson versus Notre Dame, 10.5. Everything in my body wants to have Clemson blowing Notre Dame out. But I will give respect where respect is due, and I believe Notre Dame's defense is better uh, than a lot of other teams out there, and then that offense is very competitive. Giving them 10.5 points, that's a lot. If you said 9.5, I'd take Clemson. 10.5, I'm taking Notre Dame. I think this might be a 10-point game. Like I think Clemson will win, but it's not going to be decisively. So I'm going to take Notre Dame and the points to cover against Clemson. Wow. Interesting. That's a, that's Interesting. a big – Yeah. Yeah, that's gonna be that's gonna be an interesting game. I'm so excited! It's conference championship weekend. Yeah, I love conference championship weekend. I, I, I agree with you, Pasto. I think that ten and a half line is a little large for me. That, that's not a bad play because it could easily be a ten point game, and I do well, think Notre Dame's defense is good enough to keep it closer than that. So, so my question is. When everyone says, oh, they had, didn't have Trevor Lawrence last game when they played Notre Dame. Notre Dame won in, what, double overtime or whatever it was? Yeah. The backup threw, like, four touchdowns and ran for, like, two. Like, how I, I know Trevor Lawrence is better. I'm not trying to say he's not better. But how much better of an output from that offense could you, you have seen right. when they yeah. threw up 40-some points against Notre Dame? Like, unless Trevor Lawrence was going to throw 70 against them, like, I don't know how much of a difference that makes. Probably enough for a win, maybe most likely, but I just don't know how it's. I don't know how it's ten point five points better than what they did, you know, five weeks ago. Yeah, no, that's I, I, I fair. I, yeah, yeah. I, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna debate I, you on taking Notre Dame because I probably take them too. Yeah, so I, I I wouldn't argue that with that either. I just think hey, that line is big. Glass, I got a question, a little trivia question for you before we end the sure. show here. I still can't answer it because I already asked him it earlier. So. In light of, of what we talked about in the pod, this rivalry is not only the most played rivalry, it's also <laughs> the most hotly contested, with the overall record of the rivalry being 61-60-8 in, in this game. What are the two teams, and what is the name of the trophy that they, that they play for? Hotly contested. And it's That's the oldest can... rivalry in college football in 129 years. I was just going to say, if he doesn't get this in the next, like, five seconds, give him the conference. The conference would help. I, I had no clue to where even think unless he gave him the, the big, conference. It's the Big Ten conference, Gless. Big Ten. All right. Um, I, th- I think I have a gut feel on it. Go for it. I mean, it's, it's got to be Wisconsin-Minnesota. Yeah! Wisconsin-Minnesota, yeah. Right? Is it for the jug? Yeah. Is it the no, jug? no, that's the, it's the axe. 
The Paul oh, Bunyan gotcha. Act. Which, by the way, might be the best tr- rivalry trophy in all of college football. The it might Paul be. Bunyan you, Act. you told me that earlier today, Dude. and I was trying to think of other ones. I was like, that actually might be the best. You know, but, but you know what, though? You know what kind of gave it away? And this will be the last thing before we log off because people are probably listening to us talk. Probably tired of it. Um, when I mentioned the Wisconsin-Minnesota game, I saw Kenny smirk. Yeah. And so, like, I was sitting there, and I was trying to think, and I was scrolling through my Week 16 outline here, and I was like, gosh, what Big Ten teams? And I saw that, and I was like, oh, I bet that's it. That's why yeah. he smirked. That's, dude, <laughs> how crazy is it that, there's, that the record of that them off, rivalry Kenny. is 61 and 60? <laughs> like, if Minnesota, win, if Minnesota wins this week, that rivalry is tied after 130 years. How about eight ties, though? <laughs> yes. Oh, would you hey, the, Army versus Navy? I said Army versus Navy. I thought that's one of the most evenly competitive outside of, you know, from 2003 to 2014. Outside of that, like, that has to be one of the most competitive rivalries in football. It has to be, yeah. Yeah, I'd have to look it up. Yeah, I mean, I, I imagine it's close, yeah. But no, I mean, Notre Dame versus Navy. Less the eight <laughs> ties, that's what happens when you play football in 1891. <laughs> well, it probably ends up tying because a bunch of dudes died on the field. <laughs> yeah. When guys yeah, died in the field of physical hour. exhaustion. Yeah, that's right. I mean, oh, yeah, right. It gets <laughs> four hours. Three. It's, that's <laughs> so, like you get to hour four and it's like six to six, right? There's no forward yeah. pass. So it's just I bet, a big you a couple, I bet you there's a couple zero zero ties in there. I bet you. Oh, oh that's just hurting. All right. Uh, guys, let's get out of here. But as always, you can add Prospects 101 to your college football routine on Saturdays by following us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Prospects 101. Again, great way to stay involved with the show. Make sure you subscribe to Prospects 101 on your favorite podcast platform. That is the easiest way to stay up to date with all of our episodes. Please also drop that five-star review for us. We appreciate that. For Kenny, for Pastel, I am Glass, and enjoy championship weekend. Even though sports had a break, your business didn't. You have to keep moving, and that makes hiring more important than ever. Indeed is here to help. Indeed.com is the number one job site in the world because Indeed gets you the best people fast. Unlike other sites, Indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility over your hiring. You only pay for what you need. You can pause your account at any time, and there are no long-term contracts. Plus, Indeed provides powerful tools to make your search that much easier, like sponsored jobs, which are shown to be three and a half times more likely to result in a hire. With 73% of online job seekers visiting Indeed each month, Indeed is going to get you the important hire you need, just like they have for over 3 million businesses. Right now, Indeed is offering our listeners a free $75 credit to boost your job post, which means more quality candidates will see it fast. Try Indeed out with a free $75 credit at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. This is their best offer available anywhere. Go right now to Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Offer valid through December 31st.